Super Dave. Jim English, great to talk to you again. Well, this is Jim English, and welcome to our podcast. This is the Super Dave and Jim show where we talk a lot of NBA, we talk a lot of basketball, and we dedicate this to Randy Larson, who left us a couple of years ago. And Super Dave, what would you like to say about Randy Earl, Earl Randall Larson, excuse me? Yes. Randy Larson was one of the most unique people I've ever known, one of the best basketball players I've ever known, and he left one of the most poignant and profound legacies behind with up and down the coast of California. So uh, you were a roommate of Randy's. I knew, knew him for 50 years, and uh, it's a special thing to do something about basketball and and dedicated to Randy, Jim. So that was uh, your idea from the start. And it's something that uh, really means something to both of us and, and a lot of people that listen to us to remember Randy. Yes, he was, a, I mean, he was a brilliant person. Okay, went to Stanford, played basketball. Yeah, Stanford. a literal genius. Uh, he was a genius. Yes, he, he was. He used to kick my butt in trivial pursuit. And I've got a pretty damn good memory. But I didn't stand a chance against him. He was an excellent cook. He was a ladies' man. He was a even a better friend than he was all those other things. He was always a man of hospitality and mirth and humor and intellect. I mean, he had the whole package, and we miss him, Super Dave. But, you know, you, you mentioned something there, and I want to just uh, put a tagline on that. A ladies' man doesn't really tell the whole story. Yes, the women we knew just just really loved him, but who have you ever heard of? And I'll bet there's a lot of people that t tune in that knew Randy, uh, especially the guys that don't know the, uh, the at the end what he did. Uh, one of his friends, he had managers of his all his estate and he left money to, to many of the girls that he spent time with. Can you believe that? He was, I mean, he was a special human being. And, <laughs> Who does that? Know, that is, I, I've never heard that. I don't know if I'll ever hear it before we, I pass on. I mean, that is just uh, so quintessential Randy Larson. I'll guarantee you that I'm not, <laughs> I'm not leaving any money when <laughs> no, I, I go. Your wife would be a, very appreciative. <laughs> it, it's my wife and daughter and no other female is going to be involved. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure you're the same thing too. Well, you'd have to make sure you leave them a lot more, you know. Yeah, that's for <laughs> sure. Well, Randy Larson, we miss you. And by the way, there was a pretty good podcast that Barry Gale, a mutual friend of ours who played basketball a lot with uh, Randy Larson, where he talks about the Laguna Beach tournament. And he talks a lot because he played a lot with Randy and you and some other folks down there. He played the six foot and unders. And it's a pretty good podcast. And it it is a testimonial once again to Randy. So Randy, wherever you are, you are missed, and I'm sure you're still hitting your jump shot in heaven, and God is jealous as, as I'll get out. I, I, uh, Randy and I couldn't play in the six-foot and under league. Uh, Randy was six, five and a half, and I'm, I was a legitimate six-six, so <laughs> we couldn't play in those leagues, Jim. That was the, it was the third, you guys played in the 30 and over open. Yeah, we could do, we could and do the over leagues, that's for sure. For sure. So anyways, Randy, we miss you. And now, Super Dave, the NBA season is almost three quarters over and things are heating up like crazy. Where would you like to um, where would you like to start? And what are your thoughts? My thoughts are and you're right, we're getting close to the end to the to the stretch run. There's been some really big moves that you don't generally see this late in the season. But I think it's boiling down to like only four teams, maybe five, that have a chance to win it all. And those teams would be uh, the Boston Celtics, Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Philadelphia 76ers, and the Denver Nuggets. Maybe the Memphis Grizzlies would be the fifth, but 
Otherwise, I can't see any other team. And the Phoenix Suns, I, I oh yeah, Phoenix Suns could possibly get in there, and also the Golden State Warriors. But otherwise, it's coming down to five, four, five, or six teams, uh, Jim. I think. Yeah, I agree. Now the 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 Grizzlies, who are a really good deep team that plays gritty defense, that has a lot of young players, have some unfortunate encounters. One was that Clark, their their four-year veteran, averages about 11 points and six rebounds a game. He went down yesterday with a torn Achilles, and he is done for the year. So that's a blow to him. And then John Morant, now you expect Young guys, John Morant is, I believe, 21, 22, you know, a singular talent, maybe the best athlete in the NBA, and that is saying something in terms of speed, quickness, jumping ability. But he posted something on his Instagram, and he flashed a gun at a strip club. So the NBA is, he's missing two games. The NBA is currently investigating it. So if something happens with Jaw and with Clark, it's going to be tough for the Memphis to do anything at all. Yeah, a, a guy like, uh, you know, a, such a young and a, a budding superstar like John Morant has got to have some counseling from either his family, friends, or the the staff of the Grizzlies because yeah, he's, he's hanging around some of the people that he grew up with that are not, uh, uh, not made for this kind of a lifestyle, Jim. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, you know, and, you know, I have to think back uh, when I was, you know, 21, 22, 23, I did some really stupid things. And if I had been an NBA player and I did get caught doing a couple of stupid things, I mean, it would have been the same thing for me uh, because of the maturity level that I had and my rambunctiousness. But, you know, I mean, when you're making the type of money and he's only on his first contract, so he's got a second contract coming up in a year or two. You know, you, you need to surround yourself with the people that are going to maximize your opportunities that have been given to you because of your talent and hard work, Super Dave. Well, uh, you know, it, it, comparing them to uh, your lifestyle, it's a different whole uh, class of people. I mean, these are multi, multi-millionaires in the NBA now. And... The, the, the trouble they can get into far exceeds which, which you are capable of, Jim, even though, even though uh, you know, we know how wild and crazy you were. <laughs> You're right. But so it's another, it's another ball game at, at what, what those guys are doing now. It is. And I'd hate to see it happen. Hopefully, you know, it, what they said when I was, you know, doing some research for this podcast, I looked at the NBA news and they said that on Instagram, it, he was in a strip club, which is, first of all, bad news, you know. And secondly, on Instagram, it said that he was flashing something that looked like a gun. So hopefully it wasn't a gun and he'll be back playing because that you know, I guess we can start talking about Memphis. That is a fun, fun team, and they play hard. I mean, you got a lot of young players there that play hard, and, you know, they're ranked what? Uh, they're ranked second in defense, you know, which is kind of unusual for a young team. Usually you have a situation where you have these wild guys like Jaw and – and Bain and Brooks, you know, and, you know, some of these other guys, these guys are really, really good players and they play defense. I mean, they're um, Jaron Jackson Jr. And I got a quick story to tell Jaron Jackson Sr. On Christmas Day, back in the year 2000, Matt and I went to that game 
and Kobe dunked on Jaron Jackson Sr. And my son has been a Kobe fan ever since that moment. Now, his son, Jaron Jackson Sr., is the anchor of that of that defense in Memphis. And he's leading the league, Super Dave, with 3.3 blocks a game. The man is a monster down low. And with Jaw, they have quickness and speed. With Brooks and Bain, they have mad bombers from the outside. And with Jaron Jackson Jr., they have somebody patrolling the paint. Um, so they're, I mean, they're a formidable team when they have everybody intact. Oh, no. And like you said, the defense is uh, keyed by the fact that you're right. They're young, aggressive players. And that translates, in, if, you, if you really put forth the effort, into a defense that's really hard to cope with. And Desmond Bain is uh, emerging uh, next to Moran is just a, a just a, another star in the making. So his offense is get, just getting better and better. So uh, yeah, they they combine defense with offense, move the ball, they get up and down the floor. Uh, so you know, there's key things like that. The whole the the whole issue out off the court is 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 going to be problematic for the Memphis Grizzlies, but. Uh, they are among the five or six uh, teams that have a chance. I agree. I agree that they have a that they have a chance because they lost last year, or was it the year? No, it was last year in the conference finals to Golden State, and they gave Golden State a real run for their money, which is an accomplishment considering number one, Golden State won it last year. And number two, they have all those experienced, smart players, an experienced, smart coach. And yet in the conference finals, I believe it was the conference finals, that the, 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 uh, the Grizz were, were, took two games from them. So, you know, they're not only are they young, but they've been through some playoff wars. And there's nothing like playoff experience and defense in your in your uh, in the playoffs, Super Dave. Well, you know, before we get to the, the the top teams that we're talking about, I wanted to make a comment about the uh, your Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, a really interesting case. A few a week or two ago, they came back from twenty seven points to win a game. All of a sudden, LeBron and and uh, Davis were starting to play together, and do you realize after they started the season two and 10, remember they started this, this NBA season two wins and 10 losses. They have been the fourth best team from that point on. Really? Yes. Oh my gosh. Isn't that, isn't that mind boggling? I, I heard that stat is all after the two and 10 start, they have the fourth best record in the NBA LeBron, if he hadn't got hurt recently, he looks like he was getting a second win and Davis and him playing together. The, the moves Olinka has made, uh, you know, we've always badmouthed him as far as what he's done with the personnel on the Lakers. They've added to that team. Uh, the, the new coaches added a, a toughness to them. Uh, they really had a shot at the playoffs, uh, but the injury to, to LeBron and the fact that you never can count on Davis's health. I don't know if it's going to translate into anything, Jim, but I wanted to make that, give you that stat and make that comment that uh, just a week or so ago, it looked like they had a, a real chance to make a run. I, I don't know if it's going to materialize. You know, that's, uh, you know, this is the type of stuff you get from Super Dave. These are the type of stats you get when you listen to this podcast in Super Dave. That the Lakers, after a two and ten start, have the fourth best record. Gosh, you, you, I'm off the couch, man. I know. I, think like you, you, I, I said, "Oh, I got to tell Jim that one." That, that <laughs> you got to hear that because you don't realize it because they're they they don't go on big runs. Uh, they don't have really key wins, but they've been playing better, better together. That uh, they're really coached well, and the the moves they've made are are subtle but they've been really helpful. Uh, adding a guy like Beasley that can shoot was, a, was an important thing. Uh, and, and, and seeing D'Angelo Russell come back again could, 
could make a, a big difference. Dennis Schroeder has started to, you know, get uh, back to his the game that was uh, he had before he left the Lakers the last time. So they had some really good things going. And of course, once LeBron broke the record, it it, it seemed to go downhill from then. Uh, you know, the injury and then and there might have been a, a emotional letdown, but still he's playing it at a, a, a really a incredible level. And Anthony Davis, we know how great it can be. And every once in a while, he flashes that, Jim. Yeah, and, you know, Austin Reeves is a pretty good player. He's, oh, a, solid. he's, he's, he's a solid wing, you know, 10 points a game, four or five rebounds. Hachimura, you know, is a pretty solid wing. You know, he's long. He can play the uh, – he can play, uh, you know, the wing. He can play a little bit down low. I mean, I have to say – that Polinka, I mean, there's nothing Polinka can do about the health. But, you know, I was on this podcast and other podcasts calling him a moron. And I'm afraid I'm going to have to retract that because he gave them a solid chance of, you know, certainly making the playoff, certainly winning a playoff series or maybe even two and he really rescued the franchise. Unfortunately, he can't do anything about LeBron's health. I mean, if LeBron comes back, AD stays healthy, and the rest of them contribute, I, I, you know, they could make some noise in the West, no question. Yeah. That's... And so b- before we get to, to the top teams, because I want to do a deep dive into those, and you didn't mention this team – but they're always fun to talk about because they play in the mecca of basketball, which is Madison Square Garden. The Knicks, Super Dave, have won seven in a row. Who would have thought, huh? Oh, yeah. No, they, they have been showing some real signs of, uh, of coming, coming back again. Jalen Brunson now is becoming uh, not only the most improved player, but he is – he is upping his game to the point where he might be one of the great free agent signings uh, of all time. I mean, he is really making a difference on that team. And Julius Randle is playing at an absolute the peak of his game. He hit a shot the other night to, to win the game where uh, they knocked it away in the last five seconds. He, he re-picked it up at the side of the court, fell behind the three-point line, and put it up and buried it to win the game. He is. You know, it's interesting to watch, you know, you could tell players, and uh, Julius Randle is one of them, that really works on their game. I mean, you know, another guy that did that, who became the third, he's now the third leading scorer is Carl Malone. Carl Malone and Julius Randle were useless from the perimeter, you know, and now, now, and, you know, Julius Randle always had a motor, by the way, he was he was drafted by the Lakers and the Lakers let him go for $9 million, which, you know, is couch money to the people that own NBA teams. But he has worked hard on his shooting and all aspect of his game. And, you know, he is one, you know, I mean, he's an all-star. He's now a perennial all-star in the NBA. Well, he's kind of, he's kind of taken on a leadership role also. And he, He's a go-to guy now, and he's got the confidence that added to his natural talents, which, you know, we saw early on with the Lakers. You could see how, how really outstanding he was. But now as he matures, gets the confidence, uh, gets coached correctly, has somebody uh, playing around him, uh, it, it just elevates his game, and it, it makes that team a dangerous team in the playoffs. I, I don't see them getting – getting all the way, but they're going to cause some damage. Yeah. There, you know, I, another player that I really like, and you're right about Brunson being a total surprise. I mean, it's, you know, because he did well when he was, I believe he came out of Villanova. I believe he won a championship, but every year when he was in Dallas, he kept improving and improving and improving and Dallas didn't want to pay him. And now the Knicks have him, and you're right. He's he's going to be a perennial All Star. He's smart. He's tough. You know, he's going to be like you know, 
Fred Van Fleet. He's going to be always doing really well at like six foot, six one. And another guy who they have who I absolutely love. I love his defense. I love his rebounding for a guard is Josh Hart. He's a really good player. Yeah, no. Didn't he play with the Lakers for a while? He did. They drafted him. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember him. And yeah, he's a he's a, just a re, one of those real solid wing guys that can shoot and that can uh, uh, you know can get you some instant points. So yeah, they and, and it's funny how the whole thing about constructing an NBA team has got to it's got to fit together to work, and it doesn't all. You can put better talent, five better players on a team. But if they don't work together, the chemistry isn't right. It's it's not the same as team with you know maybe four lesser players of their top five, but still they're a better team because they play they play better together. So uh, the, the Knicks are another fascinating team to watch, and that's part of the things we do on this podcast, Jim, is to let people know that are just kind of casual fans of the NBA that just because they're not the big name teams. Uh, on you know, take a look at some of these players and these teams because it's going to be a fascinating playoff, Jim. Yeah, when you before we get into the big one, I kind of like this wandering around and talking about other teams. Now, I noticed that you have been uh, on our podcast. You've been a proponent of the Clippers, but you didn't say anything about the Clippers having a chance to win. And by the way, I totally agree with you. Now, why would you say that? About the Clippers? Yeah, why didn't you mention the Clippers as a potential team? Because uh, the, the the once Paul George and uh, Kawhi Leonard got together again, and, and Leonard started playing serious minutes, uh, you, you you knew that that was going to solidify things. But I also knew they needed to get th- that chemistry I'm talking about together. Well, now they kind of messed with that that chemistry by getting Russell Westbrook, but Westbrook is going to fit better with the Clippers than he certainly did with the Lakers and where he didn't fit at all. And now you've got the team sort of responding to what they're putting on the floor. And uh, Zubak, I just think is one of the the better big men in the NBA now. So you've got a a real nice blend of talent on that team and, uh, and they're well coached. Uh, And the other night they had a letdown and that, you just wonder where teams are mentally uh, going into the stretch run. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is, you know, you got you know, where you have, I don't think that the Clippers ever had a really solid culture, no matter who their players were. Number one, number two is that, you know, generally it's best for your best player to be your leader and Kawhi is just not a leader. No, he's and not. And really, you know, and Paul George flashes some leadership potential. But, I, you know, I mean, they're two of the best wings offensively and defensively maybe in the league. But you throw in Westbrook, who is a leader, a take-charge type guy, and he's going to fill that void. But, you know, he can't shoot. The Clippers are leading the league in turnovers since he showed up they're and three with him in the lineup he is just you know i just do not see the chemistry there i don't see the culture there and i just don't like um i just don't like russell westbrook as the leader of the team considering how erratic he is well, I, I understand that, and I and, and and I was just saying that I was I was judging the team when we last had our podcast, uh, the way it was constructed without him. When he joined, yes. though, I, I've reserved judgment, and I wouldn't expect to see positive results right away. But I I reserved judgment that if he plays like he used to play, and and takes advantage of what George and Leonard do so well, he, it could work. It could work, uh, but I, I I'm not sure now because when I when I was uh, you know jumping on the Clipper bandwagon it was without Westbrook and you know I I haven't been a big fan and you're you're right the guy uh, I I don't know how a, a career 
uh, in the NBA, a, a guy can get worse and worse, but every year he's gotten worse as an outside shooter. And now he just, he just bricks them up there. And you're, and you're right. He's also a turnover machine. So it, it, it might've messed with it, but I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment at least another couple of weeks, Jim. You're a fa- you're a fairer, more patient man. Oh, than thank I am. you. <laughs> so, um, and you did not mention. Did you mention or did you not mention the Sacramento Kings? No, I didn't mention them uh, because I don't think uh, as well as they played, and they and, and everybody sort of thought they would drop away uh, uh, later in the season. They haven't. They've hung tough there, but I just see four or five teams that are better than them. And I can't see them winning more than maybe one playoff series. Yeah. I mean, part of the thing, part of the reason that I don't like Russell Westbrook in the playoffs is the, is De'Aaron Fox too. De'Aaron Fox is an incredible, like John Wall, speedy, wild man talent. But they do not play well. They play well in the open court. And they, they do have a lot of turnovers. They have Sabonis, who, by the way, is excellent. He oh, he's, is, playing, he's playing at an incredibly high level. He is. And he's shooting 61%. And, but a lot of their baskets come in fast break. And as you well know, there's two things that happen in the playoffs. Your bench shortens and it becomes half court basketball. Okay. It's not up and down unless you're the golden state warriors where you can force the action by just throwing the ball up and letting the three pointer fly. Uh, But for the most part, it is, it is half court defensive grinded out basketball and the Suns really are not ranked that high when it comes to uh, when it comes to defense. They're not that good of a defensive team. Mm-hmm. So I, I really like the fact, Super Dave, that they stepped up this year. Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox are really excellent players. I think their future is bright, but I don't think this is the year. Well, and, and don't forget the guy I told you about that I hasn't shown it yet. I, I'm still thinking. He's in his fifth year now. Malik Monk, I just – you saw him throw up a 40-point game a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's capable of that. And once again, it's – it's we've, we've said it over and over again, the chemistry is what's going to be key to that team because they played consistent ball all year long. But I don't see them, you know, stepping it up. They're, they're just kind of plateaued. And I don't think that's going to be good enough in the – a final analysis in the uh, when, when we get to playoff time. Yeah, I I agree with you there. Uh, I just don't think that you know they're a fun team to watch. Yeah, I would encourage uh, anybody to watch. It used them. to be a no watch team. That's the they've yeah, certainly that, that's least, right. You couldn't you couldn't watch it before. Now you can. So that's a that's that's progress. And one more uh, one other team I would like to discuss with you, if that's okay is uh, a team that I really like, and but I don't think they're a contender this year because they're too young, and that's the Cleveland Cavaliers. What are your thoughts on Cleveland? Oh, yeah. They, they, they were, going into the season, one of my, uh, you know, one of my dark horse, one of my favorite teams, but uh, because uh, uh, Darius Garland, I think, is just a, a phenomenal leader on the floor. And I told you, I thought Evan Mobley would, uh, would really uh, elevate his game and he hasn't done so this year either. Um, and so I, I think this team is, is, is at least a year away, Jim. I do too. And, and Mitchell, Mitchell is, a, you know, he's an all-star. They've got some P they've got some really, really nice pieces. The problem know is that for me is the east has got so many tough teams you know they've got the celtics and they've got milwaukee you know they've got and those are you know the sixers those are three i think those are the three best teams in the nba right now in my my opinion 
Um, but I just don't see it there. I think they're a year away. They need to mature. Uh, Mobley is almost, it's interesting you talked about him, is he's got some good stats. But the thing is, is there's not been that much of a statistical improvement between this year and his rookie year. You know, and he may, we may be looking at his top end already. Yeah, because I think he's got so much upward potential. His ceiling uh, is is really high. And, you know, for a 6'11 guy, that's that's hard to say. He doesn't have much room between the ceiling and the top of his head. But Donovan Mitchell has exploded offensively this year. I mean, he's just always been an offensive um, juggernaut, but uh, he gives them, you know, just uh, always a chance of big games and points. But I, I just think they're probably a piece or two away. And that year between now and whatever experience they get in the playoffs this year, I think will – uh, help build the future for the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, and I, I, you know, you can't underscore in the playoffs how important experience is, not only from a player, from a, from a coaching standpoint as well. I mean, who would have picked in 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 for last year mid season that the Golden State Warriors were going to win it all. I mean, hardly anybody, maybe, go, you know, anybody outside of Northern California, you know, but, you know, they proved beyond a shadow of a doubt their coaching and their players and the experience they had in the playoffs. You know, Boston was a better team on paper. Well, I think I they told were. you, I think I told you a little bit about Golden State before the, the season ended. Oh, you, you predict. And about what? About the three quarters mark. Yeah, about saying, the three quarters. Watch out! Mark, I thought, and, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it again, uh, Jim. I think the Golden State Warriors are are gonna be a force again in the playoffs. I think that it's taken a while uh, for Clay Thompson to to get his his legs under him fully. Uh, uh, Curry has been in and out of the lineup all year long, so he just. He, he hasn't had a chance to be consistent. But my, my boy Kowinga is starting to show some signs of playing. Uh, Wiggins get, coming back uh, is going to help. And I think if they, 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 could, they could blend and, and mess just at the right time, Jim. You never know. Yeah, I, you'd be foolish. And we all know that Super Dave is no fool to not give Golden State Warriors – their due consideration because you have, you know, Looney, there's a man who knows his role, you know, rebound and pass, rebound and pass. I mean, how many back doors did they run with him there? You know, Draymond Green, we know he is one tough mother and he's going to keep them going. We also know that Steph is, by the way, he's supposed to be back sometime next week. And he's, you know, I saw a picture of his workouts and he looks pretty darn fit to me. You know, you got Wiggins, you got Poole. DiVincenzo is a, we've seen him explode in big games when he was in Milwaukee and they won a championship. I mean, hell, when, when um, Villanova won the championship, you know, in the NCAA about five years ago, DiVincenzo stepped up and dominated, dominated. So, you know, they've got their roles defined They've got their players to find. They've got their coaches, you know, who knows what he's doing. I mean, they've been through the wars before. And I have to tell you that I think they, at a minimum, they make the conference finals. Well, one player you forgot that's coming back is Gary Payton, who plays defense like nobody else. And when you can have one, just, you know, it's usually team defense that is really critical, but Gary Payton is a is a lockdown defender, so you can put him on the the big score on the other team, and especially in that uh, brand of ball that's played during the playoffs in the NBA, Jim, uh, he's going to be a force too. So yeah, do do not count out the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, and you're right about Clay because he's he's averaged um, he's averaging like in his last ten games he's averaging twenty two points a game. And he's shooting 41% from three-point land. I mean, he is – he's back, and he's playing good defense. 
I, I it's going to be hard. Anybody who dismisses the Golden State Warriors and think they can't do it didn't you know didn't watch basketball last year, and they simply don't know basketball. So there, I think it comes down to them, and you know, and the Phoenix Suns. What do you think? Uh, no, I, I I think it could very well be. And you 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 made up another good point about Clay Thompson's defense. When you add Peyton, like I told you, Clay Thompson and Dramon Green still plays great defense. His his offense isn't as dynamic as it once was. Kind of man's in the team, but I just think, yeah, uh, we, we got to talk about that Phoenix team. But before we leave Golden State, yeah, that that the the defense, the coaching that you say with with Kerr and the experience, uh, and and them maybe getting healthy at the right time uh, is going to be a real uh, uh, something to watch in the playoffs. But let's let's get yeah. over those Phoenix Suns because uh, whenever you add Kevin Durant to your roster, you know you, it's going to be something and. Can you tell me who the three uh, of the top six or seven mid-range shooters in the last three years, who are the top, who are among the top three that are on the same team? I'm giving you a clue. Well, I assume that Booker, right? Booker's one. Booker's one. Chris Paul is, is one and, and, uh, and KD. And KD. There, There they are. They have three, of the top six mid-range shooters the last three years in shooting percentage, no, or I don't know if it's percentage or points scored from the three-point line or in the midpoint. Well, no, no, it's mid, mid, mid-range scoring. Uh, they are the, uh, three of the top six in the last three years. Yeah, I mean, if you look at them, they are custom-made for the slow down uh, half court grinded out game because Booker is like, he is going to benefit so much. He's going to have so many more open looks because of Kevin Durant. Oh yeah. You you know, because Kevin Durant, you, you know, you almost have to double team him. And if you do, Booker's going to be open and then you have DeAndre Aiden down low, who is just, he's having a, you know, he is a solid old-time defender, rebounding, hook shots. You know, he can patrol the paint in the half-court playoffs. And that means that Kevin Durant won't have to. Chris Paul is a born leader, and he's excellent and he can be the floor general. I mean, you know, this is going to be a very tough out in the playoffs, Super Dave. Oh, unbelievable. And, and what you were saying about Aiton, uh, part of his game, the pick and roll, it, it, it works with Paul, it works with Duran, it works with Booker. I mean, it, it, they get the open shot or he gets the dunk. Uh, he protects the rim on defense. Uh, I mean, yeah, they have all the pieces. And as I kind of say over and over again, the amount of time that you're on the floor together and they're just getting started with Kevin Durant in the lineup, uh, it's just going to get better and better. And they are really, and I, like I said, their poise is one of the teams that I, 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 I give them a front runner in the playoffs. Yeah, I do too. I've got, I've got them, you know, it's, it, you know, I just, me it comes down to golden state or phoenix i apologize to denver and we can go through my thoughts our thoughts on denver in a minute but you know i just see in a half court half court offense i see i see phoenix being you know almost unbeatable you know with those mid-range jumpers and you like the pick and roll that's perfect basketball in the playoffs and, you know, Golden State, you know, they can play. They're about the only team that can play a frenetic pace in the playoffs because they can just, you know, because they bomb away. You know, they're, they're going to shoot 40 to 42% in the playoffs, and they're just going to let it fly. So they can run up and down the court like they did against Boston and Memphis last year. So I see those two as the cream of the – 
you know, of the West, assuming everybody stays healthy. And do you want to go to Denver? Do you have more thoughts on Phoenix you want to share? Well, I, I want to go to Denver. But one last thought that you, because you always trigger my my thought. That's what why this podcast is so much fun is that that I don't know where we're going to go, but you, we lead each other there. The the difference between playoff basketball and regular season is pronounced. It is dramatically different. And now in this era and this year. 2023 it's really different because of the load management where you don't see the stars on the uh, floor all the time during the regular season but you do all the time in the playoffs but the brand of basketball the way the referees call it the way you play defense the way they allow more physicality changes the dynamic of the defense and you were focusing on the elements of phoenix and we can now get to denver uh, because it's going to be more of a half-court game in the playoffs. And I think people that, that tune into this podcast on a regular basis are going to kind of learn those things about the NBA, even though they might have watched it for years and know a lot about it. I think we're focusing on things that are, are you know, sometimes obscured because of the superstar nature, you know, because every team has two or three stars that everybody thinks about when they think about the team. But there's a whole lot more to the NBA. Isn't that right, Jim? You bet. And by the way, load management triggered a stat for your for your GOAT that I wanted to share with the audience and you. There is a season in the NBA where Will Cham- Chamberlain averaged over 48 minutes a game. So he played all the regular 1961-62. Yo, so you already knew that. I, I did. I knew you. all about yeah. that. I, you know, yeah, I was I was a huge Wilt fan. I I was I got into to the NBA in 1959, and that's when he entered the league. And I'm telling you, Jim, it it's been a passion of mine ever since. And if you 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 just had to see, and you had to see Wilt in his youth. A lot of people now today that even old timers only remember his Laker years. You know. Uh, but I go back to the to the early years of Wilt, and uh, it's just the most – he might be the most amazing physical specimen ever produced by the human race. It's a distinct possibility. And, you know, you talk about load management. I mean, you know, he, he, you know, he passed away. He left us. But wherever he is – and I believe in the afterlife, and uh, you know I'm going to do a podcast someday on the. Oh, we got to we got to hook up with you if you do, Jim. Will you include <laughs> me, please? I will definitely. Please don't, so, don't do it without me. If you get Wilt, I don't. You got to call me up, and somehow wherever we're at, we got to get together. I don't want you to be there by yourself with Wilt. No, we because. Think about load. Think about these candy asses now with load management, where <laughs> Wilt. Averaged over 48 minutes a game, and an NBA game only lasts 48 minutes. So he played the entire game, the entire season, and he played all the overtime minutes. And, and the reason when I was going to, you know, tag onto that, Jim, is because it's important that you you can you can look at that stat in the books. But I've watched him. I've watched him play many of those games, Jim. He didn't get tired. It wasn't like he was just out there because he was a, a big force and he didn't like not go down the court. He played defense. He, he, he ran the floor. He just, he just was such a, a super specimen that he, he didn't need the rest. They need it now for whatever reason, uh, but he did not. And, and he was not playing at any lower level on the 48th minute than he was in the 28th minute of the game. No, I mean, there's your, their offense, their defensive sequences where you can see that Wilt will block four or five shots on one play. You know, he'll block a shot. They'll get the ball. He'll block the next shot and so on and so forth. I mean, they didn't count block shots back in the, in the uh, early sixties and late sixties when Wilt was at his prime. And I'll bet you that he, you know, blocked, you know, eight, nine shots a game. Oh, yeah. And once again, if you didn't see the games, if you haven't watched full games, if you just see highlights, you can't possibly know that. I saw the games and you were right, Jim. That's what he, he 
and he blocked way more shots. I'm not saying he was a better defensive player than Bill Russell, but he blocked more shots than Bill Russell. I, I saw it was you couldn't go near the lane with Wilt in there. It he just spanned all the all the key and into the baseline. It was a it was amazing. Do you know, uh, Mr. Statman, Jim? Do you know what the NBA record is for rebounds in a game? What the number is? Seventy-five. I don't know. The, the record for an NBA uh, rebound is fifty-five. Fifty-five. Oh, that's right. Will average twenty-five rebounds. Uh, yeah, will average twenty-five game. rebounds a game. But he had fifty-five, and you know who it was against? Jesus Christ! Who? Bill Russell and the Celtics. Really? Yes. That's that's who holds the nobody knows that record and nobody would believe that it was against the Celtics and Bill Bill Russell. But that you can look it up, Jim. I'm not making this stuff up. I believe you. And also, too, you know, it's interesting is is, you know, I love to bring up Wilt Chamberlain because it because because you're such a Wilt fan and justifiably so. I didn't like him until he got to the Lakers and I loved him. But, you know, in high school, he used to dunk his free throws. Yes. Yes, because he could so, jump from the free throw line and 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 slam it in before he touched the ground. Oh, by the way, here's another little trivia for you, Jim. I was at the Forum in Inglewood the last time Wilt Chamberlain scored over 50 points in a game. He scored, now get this, he was at the end of his career, 66 points against the Phoenix Suns. And I was at the Forum live wow what a monster oh that, that, like monster. i said you had to see him and and he happened to visit the uh uh the gym that i ran in, in inglewood one day and jim i'm i'm a, a absolute i was a legitimate six foot six i've never felt so small in my life standing next to wilt chamberlain and shaking his hand it was it was a bizarre experience. He, I mean, he was a monster, monster. And so, anyways, um, well, well, let's, well that's, that gets us to the Denver Nuggets because I think that right now, without a doubt, what from my opinion, the the best big man and maybe the best player in all of basketball is Nikola Jokic. It's pretty hard. I mean, averaging what? 24 points a game. 24, 11. 14, and 10. Yeah, those are so, unreal stats. He's he's almost, he's like second in the league in rebounding and assists. And you know he could score more if he wanted to. Oh, he could. He's got some help. He's sitting over 60% from the floor, Jim. I know. If you if you're shooting, you know the NBA teams don't shoot sixty percent. So if he's hitting hitting sixty three percent of his shots, Jim, he should be taking more shots. That percentage should go down to fifty seven, fifty eight, because they the team still doesn't shoot that. So he's giving the ball up to people that aren't shooting as well as he is. But he he runs the offense from the top of the key from the free throw line extended, and I've never seen that. I've never seen anything that that it resembles that he's the point of the offense, the point. Center. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is a truly, I mean, Will used to do that too. I mean, he led he the league. Did, Will did it from year. the low post. Yeah, Will, that's never, true. Never, that's never, true. Never did it from the high post. Yes. And you know, you've got, I mean, you've got some help with, you know, Murray is a good player over 20 a game, six assists four rebounds, Michael Porter Jr., uh, you know, Aaron Gordon. I mean, he's a mad dog. He's really – he's coming on. They've got – I mean, they've got a lot of weapons. So I just think that, first of all, they're not very good on defense. They're only the 12th best defensive team. And defense becomes more critical in the playoffs. And also, too, is that experience is so important. And you got a lot of these guys. 
I, I mean, are you going to, you know, are you going to bet on Clay Thompson, you know, to make a clutch shot to win a game or Michael Porter Jr.? You know, no, I, um, I understand. yeah, I just don't, I don't see the experience there. I don't see the defense and, you know, they're, they're a dynamic offensive team. I mean, it's, there's just no doubt about it, but once again, playoffs, like you said, you eloquently put, it's a different game. It is a different game. It's more half court. The bench is shorter, you know, experience matters in both the coaching as well as the players don't see them with the experience. I don't see them a great, you know, having the necessary tools to become a half court team because right now they run, run, run. Okay. So it'll be different. The only thing, the only where I disagree with you, Jim, is that in the half court, Jokic, the way he controls the, the, the movement of the players uh, from the, from the center position is is ideal for playoff basketball and half court basketball because he can turn at the free throw line and if that uh, defensive center gives him any space he will go into the lane and once once he gets his big body in the lane jim you have to you have to collapse to to defend him or he will go right to the hole and finish at the hole his his shooting percentage in the in the paint i think is some Somewhere in the seventy percent, Jim. It's it's a it's an outrageous because he's got uh, he can use either hand. He's got a soft touch and he know he can use the glass. Okay, so now you collapse on uh, the Joker in the middle. Well, what does that do? Well, that leaves uh, Michael Porter Jr. and that leaves leaves Aaron Gordon and any of the perimeter shooters. And now they got Reggie Jackson, a former Clipper. Uh, they'll hit a little seventeen footer or a three pointer while you're collapsing the lane. I think they're made for playoff basketball, but you're right about the experience. They don't have that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I'm betting on the other two teams. I, would, I wouldn't be totally surprised if they emerge out of the West. Actually, if they made the finals, I would be kind of surprised if they – either Golden State or Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul in Aiton in the in the finals to represent the West. But we shall see, Super Dave. Well, I, uh, one thing I totally agree with you is uh, their weakness is defense, and that's never a good thing in the playoffs. No, it's not. They're, they're way, I know I'm going team. out on a limb there, Jim, but uh, bad defense <laughs> is not good in the playoffs. It's not. You got to get gritty, and you, it'll be interesting to see how they they all fare. You want to? Should we switch to the to the, uh, to the East now? Yeah, I think we have to because there's three teams there to be reckoned with: Milwaukee, Boston, and Philadelphia. Totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, Milwaukee's won 17 in a row. 17 in a row. I'm sorry, 16 in a row. They are surgical. They are absolutely, there's nothing spectacular. Uh, they are just, they're a handful. They, they, they do everything well. They do. They do. I mean, first of all, they're number one in defense in the NBA. You know, and it's spearheaded by some really good defensive players. I mean, the most underrated defensive player I think in the NBA is Brooke Lopez at 2.4 blocks. Oh, I think a. I think he's going to be defensive player of the year. I'm making that prediction right now. Very possible. Very possible. And also, you know, Giannis plays tough defense. Holiday plays tough defense. Porter, Middleton. I mean, your buddy Grayson Allen. He oh, plays, he's. I mean, he's a. He's a terror. Oh, he pisses people off. Grayson Allen is a tenacious. De- He's kind of a, uh, a Patrick. Uh, what's his name? The the the, the Clipper. Uh, oh, Patrick Beverly. Beverly. Patrick Beverly. He's another Patrick Beverly that that just pisses off people when he tries to lock down on him. And you're right about Holiday. Holiday's a an excellent defensive player. So is Middleton and Giannis. You know is a 
tremendous defensive player, and he plays defense. He doesn't he doesn't save it all for the offensive end, Jim. He he will play defense too, just kind of like Kevin Durant does. Uh, that you think of them uh, because of their offense, but those are guys that that do the dirty work at the defensive end. Uh, so uh, th- that's something I prided myself on. I was I was somewhat of a scorer, but I love playing defense, Jim. And I I think this uh, Milwaukee team has all the all the pieces. Uh, they they are going to go a long way in the playoffs. You know who they've added, who is a good player with a lot of experience, who also plays. Tough wing defense, he can hit the three, is Jay Crowder. Yeah. That's a yeah. big addition. I mean, they and then they have Connaughton, too. So they, they've they got their eight deep, you know, and it's nice to have eight defensive players in the playoffs. You know, not all of those players are great offensive players, but you got a few of them, that, you know, Middleton and Holiday and certainly Giannis are really tough defenders. I think they're the best team in the NBA, and I think they're going to win it all. That's that's my thought right now, so I'll just lay it on the table. Whoa, okay, you're going out in the limb. Well, I mean, they've won 16 in a row, and by the way, this is the third time, the third time that Milwaukee – has won 15-plus games in a row this season. I mean, they are tough. They are really, really tough. Well, I'm going to – I'm gonna. if you're going to do uh, – pick a team, I'll pick a team. I, I think it's going to be the Phoenix Suns. Oh, I like it. I think the Phoenix Suns are going to have a little easier time getting out of the West, and I think by that time – uh, they'll they'll have messed as a team, and they've got they've got the physical presence inside, the unbelievable outside shooting on the outside, and defensively they are are good, and they run the floor, and they don't turn the ball over. I I like that that Phoenix team to win it all. I like it. Well, we'll see how this all shakes out. Now, Super Dave, tell us about Boston. They're seven and three in their last ten games. They're playing really at a high level. Uh, they they have and they've played that way all year long. Uh, Jason Tatum is one phenomenal basketball player. I mean, he is just, he's just astounding. But right next to him, you know, scoring the and these are the two top scores. There's no other two players on NBA teams that put up as many numbers as Tatum and Brown do. So Jalen Brown, even with his uh, face mask and stuff, uh, uh, is they're a force offensively. Um, the, on the front line, they're getting old, and uh, you know Williams uh, has, has had his physical problems. Uh, uh, that he's their the rim protector. Marcus Smart has his his game is kind of plateaued. So I think they're. A, they're they're as good as they've ever are, but they're not better than they've ever been, Jim. No, I mean, you know, the addition of Brogdon this year was very helpful. That was, uh, I yeah, think, that's a good point. I'm sorry, that is a big addition. And I think that he's going to be sixth man of the year. And you know, the problem that is underscored, and you know, once again, we talked about the Phoenix Suns. I'm sorry, we talked about the Boston Celtics last year against the Golden State Warriors. And the games that that, that, uh, that the Celtics won were when Robert Williams III was playing, and he's hurting right now. I mean, he's, he just has not recovered since last year. And, you know, we, you know, it is the, the, complexion has not changed where you have Derek white. He's a good player, but he leads the Boston in blocks at like six, seven, six, eight. And he averages 0.9, you know, in that half court defense, you know, when you're, when people are pounding it down, like MB or Giannis, you know, in the playoffs, they're going to pound that down to those guys down there. And I, Robert Williams is out there. It's going to be very tough 
for them to compete down low with, you know, with the, with the team that they have, they don't have a, they don't have a big man, a reliable big man. No, but they, when you combine uh, anything you can get out of Williams and his health is a, is problematic, but Marcus smart is a tough defensive player. And uh, you, you, you add him to the, to the, to the front line where he sometimes go, even though he's technically a guard, but Horford can still play defense. If you get anything out of Williams, they, they have a, they're at least, uh, they, they can't be taken advantage of in there, but their, their strength is on distributing the ball, getting good shots uh, and not turning the ball over. There's, you know, they're a good team and it wouldn't stun me if they come out. I think that I like the Sixers and the and Milwaukee in the in the finals. And what do you think about the Sixers? Well, that's the that's the only team that we haven't talked about that I think has a chance of winning it all. And it it of course primarily hinges on Joel Embiid and when his game is on, when he's healthy. Uh, he's just about unstoppable, but he has uh, either uh, some injury episodes or some t- games where he just doesn't seem to, to be a, a force. Uh, he, he tends to drift away from the basket too far and tries too much of an exterior game rather than, you know, staying in the paint area. Uh, but James Harden now, I think, has finally kind of combined – he, he, he changes his game from year to year and month to month, but he's playing at a high level now. Uh, and I think uh, he's playing well enough with MB that, that they're uh, Tobias Harris uh, is, uh, hasn't emerged as, as good as I thought he would be. He should be there. Ty, Tyrus Maxey uh, is probably the, the, the number three scorer on that team. And uh, once again, he gets hot in the playoff and then beads at the top of his game. That's when they're on they're, they're almost unbeatable when those three players are at their peak, Harden, Maxi, and Embiid. Yeah. And you know, the thing is, is you got Harden. It's interesting. Harden has, I think done a magnificent job this year. And, you know, he's not scoring as much as he has traditionally, but he's leading <clears throat> the league in assists. And, you know, he handles the ball so much, Super Dave, and he has got a phenomenal – and this is a phenomenal stat for a point guard who handles the ball as much as he does. He's got a three – over a three-to-one assist-to-turnover ratios in care of the ball. And that is going to be really essential, you know, when they slow it down, when they get in half court. I mean, they've got, you know, they've got P.J. Tucker who can come off the bench with a lot of with a lot of experience. Melton is a good player. You know, they are deep and they can shoot and they handle the ball well. And Embiid is a monster down low. I mean, you know, the, that is a very, very tough team. Well, your, your description of Harden is really – uh, right on. And I didn't know that stat, but that is that I, I got the feeling watching him play that he's playing as well as he ever had. And that's hard, Jim, to, to go from a, a, a big score to a, a distributor and, and kind of blending in with the offense. But that always impresses me when a guy can adjust his game to what's necessary. And, and James Harden has done that. So, uh, you know, kudos to, you know, and, and I take it back that you're, that you're worthless, uh, your your stat your stats are great, Jim. I I I, I need you to, to buttress me up there. <laughs> well, and also too is another stat is that he took less money to play this year. Oh yeah, that and, that's that's another uh, indication. So I I don't think that he's looked upon as that kind of a a team player. But you and I have, have focused on that, and that's a that's kind of an unknown a, a little secret little fact that yeah his his blending in with that team is is what's made them so competitive and uh they are going to be tough they are going to be tough now 
I am picking Milwaukee, Golden State in the in the finals, and you've got who do you have? <clears throat> I I would say uh, Milwaukee and Phoenix. You're going to take Phoenix, huh? And I think Golden State is going to be the 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 biggest uh, problem for. Uh, Phoenix and Denver. So I think it's going to come down to Denver, Phoenix and Golden State in the West. And it's going to come down to the Bucks and the Celtics in the East. I don't, I, I, I just don't see the, the Sixers being there at the end. Well, super Dave, we've been on for 65 minutes of NBA fun. Oh, come on. It's only and... been 25 minutes. What do you mean? 65 <laughs> And, and, you know, I love having you on. You're, you know, you're one of my best guests. You're the best NBA analyst. And I thank you profusely for coming on. I really uh, enjoy it. And and I just encourage people to to pass it around. Have people listen to us because you get a viewpoint of the NBA. I don't think you get anywhere else, Jim. I would agree. I would agree. And in all modesty, we're the two best NBA analysts this side of Shaq and Barkley. Yeah, no, I know. It's, it's, it's hard to hard to be humble when, when we're as good as we are, Jim. It's really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, thank you for showing up and thank you for listening. I want to thank the audience. And uh, Super Dave, uh, probably days to two weeks, we'll do this again. I look forward to it, Jim. Thanks, Dave. See ya.